Thank you to everybody for being with us uh, on this uh, great panel. Nicolas Bornos of CapitalLink, I would like to welcome you to the session on optimizing fleet management in the post-COVID-19 era. Lessons learned and experiences gained. And there are a lot of them. And we have with us a tremendous uh, group of panelists who are going to share their insight and experience uh, into the industry and where we are coming from and where we're going. I will turn it over to Mr. Michaelis Pandazopoulos, the Managing Director of the Liberian Registry in Greece. Uh, I'd like to thank him for being the moderator. I would like to thank all the panelists for being with us. And Michaeli, the floor is yours. I will let you introduce the panelists again. Thank you very, very much, Nicholas. Ladies and gentlemen, good afternoon. I'm Michaelis Pandazopoulos, Managing Director of the Liberian Registry in Greece. Thank you for being here my panelists and the audience. And thank you, Nicolas, for putting together another significant forum on operational excellence in shipping. It is most significant this time as the restrictions due to COVID-19 were overcome using technology and your efforts to keep the forum alive. Ladies and gentlemen, the shipping industry and we all live in a new era and we experience conditions that perhaps no one could have imagined just a year or so ago. From the accustomed space of our office, to the crew on board, to ports, airports, agents, bankers, shipyards, or the entire world, if you prefer, we were rushed in a very short time to operate and perform from the limited space of our home or to stay on board for much longer than we thought. While someone could think that the entire world stood still when the pandemic hit, I believe that the shipping industry acted fast and reacted to the new challenges, and the ship continued to sail and deliver goods around the globe. But several of the challenges due to COVID-19 still exist today. The experience of all shipping market sectors containers, bulk carriers, tankers, gas carriers, during the last year, covering the ship management perspective, the crew prolonged stay on board, the remote communication with the ship, the remote training, as well as the interaction with other stakeholders as flags, class, charters, could be discussed by our expert panelists in today's presentation. The panel of highly respected executives from several shipping companies would be Jerry Doherty, Director, Fleet Management, Ardmore Shipping Services, Dimitris Vastarujas, Deputy Chief Operating Officer and Technical Director of Danaos Corporation, Klaus Unsen Jensen, Director of Technical Management, Eagle Ship Management. Stamatis Gurbulis, General Manager, Euronav Ship Management, alas. Guido Olis Langers, Managing Director of Exma Ship Management. And George Saroglu, Chief Operating Officer of Chacos Energy Navigation. Before I turn to our panelists, allow me to make just a statement on the Liberian flag experience during the last year. As we were offering about 70 5% of our services via electronic platform, COVID forced us to become 100% digitized and we were able to offer all services and even remote safety inspection 
and audits by using technology. But equally important, we are experiencing a new era in cooperation, not only within our organization, but also within all industry stakeholders that we interact and work together. And yes, it was challenging, but I will also say very rewarding as we discover and establish new capabilities for serving the shipping industry worldwide. Whereas today there are improvements from the vaccination, the charter rates on containers and bulk carriers, the climbing, new building orders and other fronts, in my opinion, we are not yet over the challenges of the pandemic and the imposed obstacles. To hear more on the current issues, the lesson learned and the experience gains as well as future challenges, let me turn to our panelists. Jerry, how did COVID-19 affect your market and what was the planning and where are you today? Thanks, Michaelis. Um, well, I'm sure like all the rest of my fellow panelists, uh, the impact of COVID-19 has been fairly arduous through 2020 and it continues to be so um, as we progress into 2021. I suppose, you know, <clears throat> the, the main challenge that we've all faced um, since COVID really came in, you know, came into our lives, let's say March, April last year, has been the, the crewing uh, issues that have been faced by all of us. So, you know, the prolonged period of time on board that uh, our crews have to endure, um, down to the ever-changing requirements um, from different uh, individual uh, jurisdictions. Um, you know, it's, it's presented us with um, a number of logistical challenges as we progress through 2020. Um, you know, one of the, the discussions that we've, we've obviously all been involved in was how did we manage that particular situation? Um, and certainly from Ardmore's uh, perspective, you know, it was really done in conjunction with, uh, you know, first class communication between both ourselves as the ship owners, technical managers and our charterers also. Um, because obviously the charters uh, have, have as big a stake in this as, as we do ourselves. Um, we have had situations where it may be the case that certain charterers, they don't necessarily want us to do crew changes um, while the vessels were in laden condition. Um, we've had other cases whereby vessels, you know, we have quite a large Indian contingent within the fleet. Um, we've had vessels uh, skirting around the coast of India uh, en route from A to B and charterers have been very flexible in allowing us to stop in and effect crew changes uh, on occasion. So I think really, you know, whilst we face logistical challenges, I think the, the primary focus on all of us through 2020 and it continues to this day has been, you know, effective communications, uh, forward planning as best as we can, obviously with the, the changing goalposts on a regular basis. Um, and our own internal teams uh, also working together um, very closely with each other. But really, it's, it's down to fundamental communications have been key through the whole process. Thank you, Jerry. Uh, Dimitri, uh, I assume that uh, you share the same views, but I wanted to ask, how ready was Danaos from the digital integration and also from the technical perspective, the planning with uh, 
shipyards attendance installation perhaps of uh, scrubbers or uh, ballast water management system and where are you today yeah uh, that was actually the first company's uh, question, self-question, that had to be answered first of all during action plans preparation to meet the new challenges. Uh, it is obvious that all the world changed last year and uh, new things, new demands uh, raised, uh, causing uncertainties and worries and anxiety. Fortunately, the company invested to Internet of Things and Ships data analysis seven to eight years ago Thus, performance monitoring was in place and remained uninterrupted during COVID-19 crisis. It is quite encouraging to know that you have an eye on ship's operation, being able to access information from any place using remote function. Especially in cases uh, even to attend right dockings or whatever. The hardware was well prepared and monitored 24-7, was available in headquarters and well-tuned with personal laptops and mobiles. Superintendent engineer stayed alerted with no miss of crucial data this period. As I said, the lack of physical attendance on the other side referred mainly to technical inspections and audits, caused uncertainty and worry about ship's maintenance and appearance, and that had to be addressed immediately. Once again, technology offered solutions through the use of digital media, instructed inspections by the crew, accompanied by web meetings, detailed reporting and media exchange. Photos, videos, voice memos became a norm nowadays. Were carried out successfully, covering half of the plant inspections and audits of the company's needs. On a similar way, with the cooperation of third parties, for example, classification societies, the external surveys, were carried out smoothly with no serious concerns. The remote work forced by COVID-19 offered also opportunities in company teams interaction and performance improvement. Fleets and work teams started to work remotely, engaging those being about or at home, eliminating distance and time. And I think that this is the crucial element, the best lessons that we learned this period how to eliminate distance and time under these circumstances. The knowledge sharing through webinars, open discussions, online presentation, etc., helped in keeping morale high and enhancing the motivation through learning. Furthermore, the rapid development of remote functions in crew training, taking full advantage of available hardware, ensured full coverage of crew pre-joining sessions, remote training, familiarization, work groups and surveys. That was feasible since company has her own mining offices and crew. It was a good chance to test new fields, achieving emissions and cost reduction at the same time by the omission of unnecessary crew traveling. And I'm talking about the traveling to the offices for ticketing instructions and whatever. In summary, despite the general hesitation of people to change, available technology played a significant role in keeping operations and functions active, setting new approaches, communication methods, and enhancing culture. It seems that this is the way to go in future. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Dimitris. Um, yes, I agree. The new era in communication, you will be with us 
for a long time uh, in the future. Klausus, and I understand you are managing a fleet of dry vessels and sharing time between Singapore and uh, Stanford. What was the challenge? And dry bulk most likely sailing to China, I assume. How has it been? And what was the challenge and the positive aspect coming out of it? So let me maybe just try and share a a small anecdote about my travel here to the States from Singapore, which is normally something that you just do, you get a ticket, you go to the airport, you show your passport, and then you join an airplane. And that's basically it. So the whole preparation in order to get into the States from Singapore as of today is probably a two week preparation period with paperwork that stacks up like this here. And I think actually that is just in order to get on board the plane and then get to the States from Singapore. And I think it, it visualizes very much what we have seen in the pandemics here, that when everything hits, we all of us probably went into a shock. We pulled back and then we had to sit and say, how do we rethink? Because we had to do everything completely different. And, and it was only when I actually flew over here that I started to rationalize with myself and saying, yeah, but hey, the world have really changed. And now that we are sitting talking about it here, I say that the, the changes started out by a shock. And I think all of us in the beginning basically said, let's just keep the vessels afloat. Let's try and stay away from port. <laughs> let's stay away from the shipyards. Let's stay away from everybody because that's the safest. But actually it isn't. So we needed to, as you said, to go to China. China was and is the center of dry bulk shipping. So we had to go there. I would say on the cargo handling side, we have not seen that big challenges. We, we saw a tendency as ship owners in the beginning to pull ships away from the dry dockings. Then when we said this year is a long-term pandemic, we started to, to find ways so we could maintain people in China. Luckily for us, we had people on the ground in China, so we could actually continue with a short interruption of doing dry dockings. It though have to say that the dry dockings we did, let's say around this time last year, and the dry dockings we are trying to carry out in China now, it has only become even more complex. So it seems as to me as if the cycle is going up and down. And whereas China, for the first nine months of the pandemic, where it was maybe not even pandemic to start out with, was actually easier to handle from a dry docking perspective in China and being in China than it is today. So I think the best words to put on it is the ever-changing thing. And you need to prepare yourself for everything that can actually pop up. That, that would be my takeaways, and, and I hope that answers your question to, to the point of it. What was said before on the Admiral side, on, on the tanker side, that some charters are once in a while not necessarily playing the same game. We have seen that as well. Now that we are talking crewing, yeah, but that has and will remain the biggest challenge. And that is where we need to stand together. And that is for everybody. That is authorities. That is uh, nations. That is... Uh, to go down to, 
to have actually the free movement and the free travel of everything so that we can actually change our crews because that's a I would almost say a human right but <laughs> it isn't a human right but but we need really to take care here thank you uh klaus uh, uh stamatis uh klaus introduced a little bit the tanker so being a, a, a strong tanker company and managing it uh with crude oil uh tankers of various sizes was it challenging and was it safe? You are unmute. Uh, you are un Yes, this was the phrase of the COVID-19 period that you are on mute. So yes, I just unmuted and thank you, Michali, uh, for giving me the opportunity to be in this uh, very interesting discussion. And thanks to Nicholas also or invite me to such a panel with uh, prestigious members. Um, I have a feeling that uh, COVID-19, uh, as uh, Klaus mentioned, was a shock for all of us. And maybe we experienced it differently on our personal lives. But um, as an industry, uh, we more or less uh, quickly uh, adapted to uh, these uh, changing conditions. And uh, as uh, other uh, speakers said before, it was proven that uh, shipping could continue to play the key role of being the main link of the supply chain for the world. Um, you asked me about uh, the safety and whether this uh, was at a higher risk than uh, before for the operation of our ships. Um, Euronav is uh, an owner and operator of crude oil carriers, uh, more than 70. Uh, the majority, two-thirds about, are uh, VLCCs and the rest Swiss Max tankers. Uh, we had to continue this trade, obviously, and we did. Uh, China is the main destination uh, of the crude uh, trade uh, nowadays, uh, and this was continued. Of course, as uh, Klaus also mentioned, uh, China imposed very strict uh, conditions, and literally uh, no crude change was allowed there. So the biggest challenge, I'm sure not only for Europe, but for all uh, shipping companies, was the need to the people on board the ships to prolong their contracts, which was generally, I have to say, accepted, but also to deal with the uncertainty of the repatriation prospects. And I have to say that uh, the, sea, the seamen, the seafarers, uh, demonstrated an excellent resilience uh, with the support of the shore organizations, of course, but they kept the ships running safely. Um, in retrospect, I have to say that the high level of alertness that uh, was mainly addressed uh, to tackle 
the COVID-19 uh, risks contributed to an overall uh, safety management and despite better safety management and despite some concerns of uh, putting the ships at risk, uh, these concerns by the prolonged uh, stay of the crew on board, this did not uh, did not demonstrate as uh, in, in terms of incidents or other indicators. So uh, I have to say that overall, the safety uh, records were kept uh, at a very high level uh, by the fact that the crew on board the ships uh, were uh, behaving uh, in a very uh, resilient uh, way. Um, what uh, I would like to add uh, here is that uh, uh, this uh, crisis, as every crisis, uh, as every crisis, uh, offers opportunities, and I think uh, we all now are in the position to realize the opportunities that we had to exercise at the beginning as a response to an emergency and gradually uh, it became uh, they became a norm in our operations and I'm sure I don't want to repeat uh, what these uh, opportunities were and how they were tackled by the advanced uh, technological applications that we have available. And I'm sure that this will become part of the normal life uh, post-COVID-19. Thank you, Stamatis. Uh, we are moving now in a new sector on uh, gas carriers, LPGs. Uh, Guido, could you elaborate the state of readiness on the company last year, now, and what do you anticipate in the future with respect to the challenges the previous speakers talk about? You must be on mute. Guido, you are on mute. Michele, you're on mute now. So is Guido. I think we don't try to I, unmute. I tried to, yeah, yeah, it's working now. Okay, thank you, sorry. Um, uh, small technical difficulties that happen sometimes, <laughs> even after a year of uh, communicating digitally. Um, I uh, just wanted to say that I agree with my uh, fellow panelists that, that, of course, the crew and the crew changes have been the most challenging in the year, also in the gas uh, sector. Um, uh, what I really liked is that actually we all saw the same that our seafarers have kept our, the, all the vessels running. And this, despite also, we cannot forget that they 
all of them had also this uncertainties at home where this pandemic at home is being very bad and you know that your family is at the other side of the world and still you have to perform a very important function and it's keeping the goods moving um i think it only showed all our maritime crews their commitments and to this maritime industry and um somewhere i i like that that we all come to the same conclusion that we now have to do something for them as well and make sure that 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 their free travel in the future will be uh, somehow um, better organized and not only depending on local regulations which has been the major challenge uh, um, how we overcome came this um, was actually quite difficult i think that all companies have gone through the same not only were there a lot of new challenges in this crew change but suddenly all our people that were usually in the office they were suddenly at home and uh, they had to communicate we were quite fortunate that our uh, digital internal communication system was actually working very well and i think everybody has because it's somehow everybody stayed connection connected and and exactly that is what has improved uh, over this past year communication with everybody because we talked about dry docks but uh, organizing a dry dock is already a complex case just when everything is going normally and now in this uh, in this pandemic by communicating with all the suppliers by communicating with the dry docks uh, we still managed and succeeded in getting this organized just by talking with the charters talking with the owners talking with uh, with the local suppliers and then adapting the schedule to the local regulations and new regulations and and this has in every facet has happened um, we we cannot find anything anymore where communication now digitally has has worked out fine actually one of the real examples i wanted to show because we're talking about optimizing is uh, our internal crew training by digitalizing our our, our entire training this because after a few months it was apparent that we had to keep training our people um, is that that a lot of courses are now able to be done digitally and even the seafarers benefit from it because in the past there was often a long travel to a course location where there then was a classroom um, where they had to sit they had to spend their free time uh in a different country to follow a course while now a lot of seafarers actually see the benefit and we also see the benefit of having these people at home following a course a classroom course digitally and still uh, manage to get all the information they need while they can at, at the end of the course they can switch off and just be with their families so i think in optimizing something this is something that we will really continue in the future to see how we can uh, can accommodate uh more digital implementation and this has been the case for actually webinars as well if we see what what today we were invited by the nice people of capital link but i think two years ago it was almost unthinkable that maritime professionals would meet on a digital platform and discuss things with each other uh very openly it was always in person and and that is the big change that is happening now in the whole industry um where we can only celebrate this kind of changes because more and bigger problems can be uh, tackled by talking to each other and collaborating with each other. We have actually made the world a bit smaller this way, which is something we really uh, celebrate. On the other thing, it's of course, uh, and I heard this as well, is 
what we saw is when when owners charters and ship managers manage to work together well things just move along better um, and this within the COVID period i don't think that um for deviating for a crew change before COVID was something on a charter's mind at all and even an owner was not always fully uh, uh following this but but nowadays talking to each other optimizing the uh, vessels um voyage plan to accommodate all the required things is just something that has been normal for the more most of part of the last year so i think uh that's my small contribution to the optimization ah thank you guido uh interesting uh, but uh, i see this is a, a statement by everybody so far with respect to seafarers now george um coming to you you have heard what others said you have been a chief uh, operating officer of a major tanker company what are the other components like what the oil majors and the vetting process effect on your fleet during the last year what other stakeholders uh experience in dealing with your company during the last uh, year or so. How you will comment? Thank you. <clears throat> the experience is more or less the same experience that uh, the other panelists have uh, uh, expressed. We have uh, faced uh, a, a global crisis that uh, has been really unprecedented, an event that happens maybe every 100 years, because the crisis that we dealt with so far has been mainly financial or geopolitical crisis, which has been so far short-lived. So we have a, a crisis and it's still ongoing. We have not uh, finished with uh, the crisis uh, yet. And I think it was mentioned by one of the other panelists, we had to uh, deal with uh, and solve an equation with many variables that were changing every day. Uh, so we didn't have a set of variables that were the same for the different parts of the world that we operate. And we have a fleet of uh, 70 tankers going from uh, crude carriers across all sizes to product tankers. We have some uh, LNGs and some uh, shuttle tankers. We are mainly a time charter operation, but we have a significant exposure in the spot uh, market. So we trade worldwide and we go where our charters take us and where the chartering department of our company takes us. And we had uh, from the beginning uh, uh, four main priorities in navigating through this unprecedented event. And of course, uh, we had to protect the people that were on board uh, the vessels. We had uh, to protect uh, the people that uh, were working in the various offices that we had. We had to maintain the operations and the supply chains uh, open uh, and have provided an interrupted uh, services to our clients. We, we had tried to help and support uh, uh, you know, the seafarers, the pool of seafarers and their families. And we have different uh, pools of seafarers, some from Greece, 
some from a uh, big part from the Philippines, from Eastern Europe. And of course, we tried with the rest of uh, you know the peers here to raise the awareness of the importance that uh, you know the seafarers and the shipping is for you know, for the for uh, you know the global economy and how they should have been treated seafarers as essential key essential workers and get uh, access uh, to uh, vaccination when they became available and uh, easier. Travel, uh, uh, traveling in order to fulfill the, this uh, service. I think with the different stakeholders, like we adopted and started working with uh, mainly GT from, from digital uh, platforms and shipping has been a 24 seven business and we all use technology, especially at the technical and the operation level. We had to bring in some of the other services that are typical in the shipping company, like maybe the accounting department, like uh, you know the control department, the insurance, and they have been brought up, I think, quite uh, easily into this digital uh, platform. I think the same digital digital platform has been established and performed very very well by the other uh, stakeholders, whether that was flags, whether that was terminals, whether that was. Uh, uh, port states, the banks, uh, and uh, I, I think overall uh, we have the same experience like the rest of uh, the panelists. We adapted very well to the problem. We had no major uh, COVID incident. We had no interruption to, to, to the service. And I think this shows that each individual company had a very good plan in dealing with something that was uh, out of the ordinary. If we had one small thing that we you know we would have liked to have been better, and of course, let me start on a positive note. With uh, the majority of the charters have been very accommodating from the beginning. They have been, you know, they assisted very much with uh, crew changes, with deviations, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But they have been cases when I think they have passed in full the responsibility to us. And I, I think maybe that has been because even within you know, these big companies, you have different departments who look at things differently. And sometimes, you know, if you have uh, competing uh, priorities, you end up you having you know, your, your ship uh, doing things that uh, you know, re required, and we had to be assisted by them a little bit more. But again, overall, I have to say we are very thankful to the efforts of uh, you know our, our charters. Thank you, George. And uh, I, it's very interesting that um, no matter what the market sector, dry, wet, uh, gas, I see that they have been positive on communication, upscaling the communication background in your companies, uh, using uh, training uh, remotely more and more and adjusting also to priorities and change of priorities uh, as uh, the ship sales, port closing, ports opening, closing again. But I want to, I see, I see that uh, and I heard that there is a very common theme from all of you, which has to do with the seafarers being key workers, the repatriation difficulties. And of course, we have the Neptune declaration that several uh, sectors of the shipping industry uh, sign and endorse. 
So starting uh, with the same order, Jerry, Dimitris, uh, Klausus, and etc. What would you like to add uh, on this aspect and how all as an industry can succeed on this effort? Thanks, Michaelis. <clears throat> um, yeah, you know, I think when, when you look at everything that's, that's been discussed previously and without reiterating anything, um, you know, the, the lessons taken away from the past year, um, rightly or wrongly, I think our industry in the past has, has possibly been perceived um, from, uh, you know, others out with the industry as being reactive as opposed to being a proactive industry. Um, I think the, the events of the last year have really proven that we can be very proactive. Um, you know, it doesn't matter what sector we're all working in. I think as an industry in general, shipping has proven within the last year uh, to 15 months that we can be very, very proactive. Um, whether it's in terms of our adaptability to, to change, be it in the style of communication, methods of communication, whether it's in our agility, the ability to, to you know, move laterally and, and get things done. You know, and I think it's, it's important um, the other gents on the, the, the panel here have, have discussed dry docks. I think it's important just to not skip over the fact that, you know, our strategic partners and dry dock facilities have also played a fundamental part in ensuring that we could get dry docks completed. Um, you know, and they've had their own troubles as well in terms of manpower and personnel. So I think, you know, when you combine all the factors together, whether it's us as ship owners and operators, whether it's the dry dock facilities, you know, service engineers, et cetera, um, and class and flag, everybody's had to come together to really reevaluate how we get things done. And I think through the past 12 to 15 months, we really have become so much more efficient than we perhaps were two years ago um, in terms of managing and being able to adapt to the changes that are presented to us, um, you know, and working as effectively one coherent industry, one coherent team. You know, I think that the lessons learned are going to be with us for the, the, the long term. Um, and I think, you know, it's, it's all very well to look back on COVID and say, you know, things were, were tough, which they were. Um, I think front and center of everything was the resilience, as has been mentioned, of our seafarers. And, you know, we take our hats off to, to the guys on board primarily again. Um, I think none of us should ever lose sight of that. Um, but, you know, we have to, to look at the, the, the entire industry and how we move forward from here. And I think as we, you know, transition um, from the COVID era into, let's hope it's some form of normality again, I think we're all going to be, in many, many ways, far more effective, far more efficient, and we'll be able to optimise performance in ways that possibly we hadn't even considered before the COVID pandemic arrived on our doorstep. Uh, thank you, Jerry. Dimitri, what do you say? Yeah, uh, I need to eliminate time and distance in shipping operation. Definitely a company's previous brilliant history, although respectful, is not a guarantee for the success in future. Neither proves that the company can continue to create new values in the trade chain. Technology and artificial intelligence are here to stay for next decade. 
providing us ammunition to meet challenges, creating new organizational and operational structures, communication approaches, blockchains, data sharing, and join efforts with other stakeholders to improve performance, educate people, control emissions, and preserve industries' sustainability. But what I want to add here is something that uh, maybe we missed to mention before. Uh, during COVID-19, we experienced this fear and sometimes panic in offices ashore where uh, the remote work was applied maybe 50%, 6% or 100% for months. But we have to remember that uh, on board, nobody stopped work. And uh, at the same time, technology ran very fast ashore, creating a gap. These people on board that to my respect, I think everybody agrees, were really brave and they deserve congratulations for their efforts because they stepped there and they did their job with professionalism and with a great sense of duty. And uh, it is uh, on us to see how to harmonize the new technology advancement and to include all these people in the new era, making them a part of our daily operations in a modern way. Obviously, performance KPIs are always the first priority of a shipping, of a shipping company <clears throat> and have to be kept at the highest level. But it is not one man show anymore, but a transparent share effort well supported by technology and new working attitudes. Uh, thank you, Dimitri. Uh, Klaus, uh, your comment, please. And if possible, brief so everybody will have a chance yeah, to sure. contribute so i'm not sure that i'm agreeing to that uh, that we were as proactive as we were but i'm 100% agreeing to that we are quick to respond and i think it has something to do with the whole maritime upbringing and the training in the industry that we are adaptable to k to to things that uh, changes us at all the time when you have been on at sea yeah, but you have to adapt to the weather, you have to adapt to other conditions all the time. So you're always alert. And let me just try and illustrate why I say that I'm not sure that we actually had a plan. I don't think anybody had a plan for a pandemic like this here. And, and the point is probably that in the early, early stages of it, all of us probably faced challenges to get thermometers, hand sanitizers and masks. And who had that stocked up on their ships? None of us had, that's for sure. <laughs> so that was the first crunch point when we are now looking at it. And everybody sees masks, hand sanitizers, and thermometers as an essential part of, a, of, of stuff that have to be on board today. None of us had it before. So we are not proactive, but we are quick to respond. And we are quick to make a plan. And I'm not sure many of us had a pandemic plan. We probably had something that were called uh, pandemic, but not in, in the scale of this year. So I think it is back to that we go back to our roots of our training of our seafarers again, and all of us have that maritime background. We are on the alert all the time. We are ready to to act on any change that comes in our way. I think that's that's my point of it. Thank you, uh, Klaus Tamatis. Uh, I will try to be brief. For the seafarers, I think uh, what we now have to uh, pursue is the vaccination of the seafarers as a priority, which is in a way the 
optimism that we have about COVID-19 uh, being manageable is based on vaccination. So on the vaccination of the CIFARES. Uh, another lesson uh, is uh, for me is that uh, uh, we came to the point that we needed to be uh, seen by the whole world and the governments and identify the CIFARES as key workers, whereas in general shipping has a tradition to go a bit unnoticed, uh, out of sight, out of mind, so to say. So now shipping needs to be more visible in the way forward. From, from my uh, perspective related to uh, our preparation, I would agree with Klaus that uh, there was not a COVID preparation plan per se. On the other hand, as other speakers said, shipping is used to be adaptable and especially used to remote cooperation because always we have to cooperate with the ships which are in a remote location. So an activity which was somehow at the beginning and been gradually implemented, uh, had to step uh, speed up and be the norm, I mean, the remote uh, communication. For me, the COVID-19 uh, lesson in general is that the importance of being close to each other or far away from each other has somehow been reduced. I don't argue that the physical meetings or the visits on board uh, can be completely replaced, but definitely can be complemented by the tools that we have gradually uh, spread during this period. And somehow we are all now uh, some mouse click clicks away from each other as we are today. So looking forward, uh, this, uh, exercise of being close to our people on board the ships through uh, remote communication applications related to remote communication gives an opportunity for more frequent communication whereas in the past we were waiting probably to go on board to have a meeting now we can organize meetings common meetings with the people on board and ashore and as uh, some other speakers said, at the same time, reducing unnecessary traveling and in a way com uh, contributing to the reduction of uh, CO2 emissions. Thank you, Stamatis. Uh, Guido, your word. And yes, brief. I will make it uh, very brief because I see there's not much time remaining. Um, I just wanted to say, and I liked actually Klaus what he said, because it's true that in shipping, we always look at our next destination um, and I think that's what's something we have to do uh, today. Um, actually, we need to find a way, way to all work together to this common goal where we put the seafarer uh, as a key personnel um, on, the, on the map. We are typically an, an industry that is always a bit separated as we are um, uh, competing colleagues, uh, sort of say, but in this we should really find a way to, to combine our efforts and, and bring this to the table. I think that's the most important in the time to come, and that should be our common destination in the next, uh, in the next year after the pandemic has uh, somehow ended. So I'll keep it on this.
Thank you very much, uh, Guindo. George, okay. for yeah. all of you for being here and thank the audience. I would like you to have the final word on this entire panel and present also your view and uh, summarize the view of the panelists. And thank you. Thank you. Uh, I will focus uh, only on the on the seafarers in my closing remarks, and I will and I will say that to go through this uh, problem, most probably everybody has to be vaccinated. And uh, today, I think in the developed world, the vaccination rate progresses very satisfactorily. I think so, you know it's very high, but in the developing world where the biggest pool of seafarers, this is where we draw our seafarers from the developing world. I think the vaccination rate is very low. And so we need to raise that and the efforts by governments uh, needs to be to happen in order for more people to be vaccinated because otherwise the problem with our seafarers will not uh, be solved. And of course, one more time, I would like to thank all seafarers for what uh, they have done in this uh, really unprecedented time for their professionalism and for their resilience in working 24-7 under very difficult emotional and health situation. Thank you very much. Thank you all. Thank you, Nicolas. Thank you, the audience. Well, very interesting. I would like to say also thank you very much, uh, Michali. Thank you, uh, Dimitri, Jerry, Klaus. George, Stamatis, and Guido. Uh, it's been a great panel. I will make one observation before we go. It is very interesting and very moving to see that all of the discussions we, we have really focus on the human element, on, on seafarers. I mean, we talk about technology, decarbonization, performance monitoring, but everybody really hones into the crewing, the human factor. And... Uh, very well done. At the end of the day, frankly, the human factor is the backbone of shipping and shipping is the backbone of global trade. So thank you very much for, uh, for a great panel. Thank you. Nick, I think we need to preserve it because maybe 30 years from now in the next, in, 30, in a Capital Link event 30 years from now, you might not have humans, you know, answering questions. You might have uh, machines <laughs> or androids. Let's, so let's hope we preserve it. Thank you.